0: unscripted, unbound, unconditional. Welcome to the Well Unfiltered. I'm Mindy. I'm Nicole. And we are the hosts of the Well Unfiltered podcast, where each episode you'll hear unscripted faith stories that will make you think, unbound life lessons that will crack you up. I'm talking adjust your waistband laughter, but most of all,
1: unconditional grace and love that will help you connect to God and to other women.
0: Welcome to the well, unfiltered.
1: Welcome back to the well, unfiltered. This week we are going six feet deep. You guessed it, we are talking about grief. Mm. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been boldly bringing forward those topics that are often filtered out of faith conversations, those things that we don't feel comfortable talking about with so called church people or in so called church spaces. And at first glance, it may seem like grief would not be one of those topics. Because after all, death and grief are some of the things that it looks like the church does reasonably yeah. well. And yet, Mindy, you and I have learned that too often we don't feel comfortable discussing grief in faith spaces. Mm-hmm. And we've learned this not just as pastors, but also as people who have been grieving. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if we might start our conversation today um, with just the way that we've experienced grief. What's your story?
0: Yeah, so my grief story, I I had a couple things come to mind when I was thinking about this. Um, The first one is just the sort of the origin part of my story, which Mm -hmm. is that my mom died when I was very young. I was two. Mm -hmm. And so that was an interesting kind of grief and we'll we can unpack it a little bit more as we talk but you know it's it's almost like grieving someone you didn't know mm. you know like I I look back at pictures of her but I can't remember her but not having her in my life shaped everything about my childhood mm. um, and even you know some of my own mothering today yeah. so so that was a really significant grief that I've carried and probably will carry forever. Um, And then this past year my grandma passed away Mm. and I will say some of the things about that grief really surprised me.
1: Share more. What surprised you?
0: So I think I was surprised at how like much stuff it brought up. Mm. So it she was my dad's mom and my relationship with my dad is is pretty fractured okay. and so it wasn't just grieving a person and I was grieving her but it was like grieving a whole family system mm. and and I think sometimes grief <laughs> it brings some surprises and yeah. some extra bags to the yeah. to the trip
1: you know I I think of that with my my own grief story mm. um, there are two two losses that are that are kind of always right under the surface. Um, The first uh, is my sister was murdered when I was in college. And it was, you talk about surprises, it was also not only grieving her life, Mm -hmm. grieving how it forever changed my family, but also grieving how it fractured my faith. You know, in another episode of The Well Unfiltered, we talked about deconstructing faith. And for me, it deconstructed this um, maybe childlike Bible school Mm -hmm. faith. Like innocence? Yeah. Um, That how do we wrestle with a God who promises to love and protect us and the reality of evil and violence in the world. Mm -hmm. And then also beneath that, what does forgiveness uh, look like when you experience that kind of loss? Um, So my faith was absolutely transformed uh, through that experience. Um, And then the other uh, really difficult loss I've experienced in my life was My grandfather, um, who I have three people who were central to my, not only spiritual development, but my self-identity. And my grandfather is by far the biggest shaper of who I am. And, And I say that with intention because every single time I saw him, he would ask me, who are you? And this is not someone that I saw on holidays. I saw him every week. <laughs> like <laughs> he asked you that every week, every single week. How? And not just me, but every single grandchild. Mm. And you would have to then recite, "I am the daughter of who?" The child. Just this ridiculous recitation. And then he would say, "Take that all away. Who are you?" And you'd have to say, "I'm a child of God." Okay, I'm trying to get in the house. Where's Grandma? Like, <laughs> like I'm hungry. I want to snack. Let's move on. Yeah. And that practice um, created this spiritual core Mm -hmm. that I didn't even realize until he died that I felt like, who is going to ask me that question? Who is going to then push me to find the answer? And it, I was not prepared for... For that experience and so I, I those two uh, grief experiences have shaped so much of my faith um, but also so much of my mothering my identity the way I'm a friend everything and so I, th- I think that's one of those things that makes it difficult to talk about grief mm-hmm. in church because if grief affects everything, then you can't control it. And I don't know how many of you are love emotional outbursts.
0: <laughs> it's my favorite thing.
1: But that's, that's what challenges me about grief mm-hmm. and this idea of authenticity and being unfiltered because grief doesn't, I think, give us um, a map or a plan.
0: No, or a timeline yeah. or what to expect there's just no i feel like there's no good guidebook for journeying through grief
1: yeah and so i you know because of that i wonder if we have similar reasons as to why we found ourselves sometimes filtering our grief in church Mm -hmm. um why did you not always feel comfortable talking about your grief experiences in, in faith spaces or with people of faith
0: yeah i would say it's kind of a twofold answer for me and the first one goes back to that emotional outburst <laughs> thing that you <laughs> talked about because um, you know it's generally frowned upon <laughs> but i think for me what one thing that surprised me when my grandma died this year was how closely linked grief and anger mm. were for me like, I, I mean, I cry all the time at any occasion. <laughs> so I knew I would cry. Like, I knew that. But I didn't know that I would just be pissed. Mm. And I was. Okay. And, I mean, she lived this great long life. Like, it, it, it wasn't like it was, you know, super unexpected or anything. So it was, I, I just think I was angry at, like, all the, maybe all the things in our family that I had to, I had to remember Mm. the things that were lost or mm-hmm. the things that weren't functioning. And it made me mad. Mm-hmm. I remember being here at work. She, she died on a Sunday night or Monday. I was here like at the beginning of the week. And I remember <laughs> messaging our supervisor and saying, so I've been here 10 minutes and I'm already angry at everyone. I think I might need to take a personal day. Mm. And it, it just, it surprised me. I didn't realize like what it would dredge up. In me, so I think I think that's one. Um, I think with my mom, it's almost the total opposite end of the spectrum. I, it's hard to, I don't know how to quite put this. It's hard to receive how people react when you mm. tell someone that your mom is is dead. I mean. People are nice and empathetic, so they like you know feel sad for you. They mm-hmm. might tear up, and it's it's hard to know how to navigate that, mm-hmm. um, especially because I lost her so young. Yeah. So so I think that's why I sometimes keep those things like in my pocket because mm-hmm. I it feels like just a lot to to sort of wade through. Is that familiar to you, or are your reasons a little bit different? I
1: I can absolutely relate to the challenge of. Sharing your grief story and then having to not only navigate someone's reaction, but then maybe even having to do emotional work because emotional of their work. reaction. Yes. Um, especially with the death of my sister, it's like a, oh gosh, and um, well, what can I do? Well, actually, I actually don't need you to do anything. I appreciate mm-hmm. your empathy. So then there's. I think sometimes this desire to not share so that you don't have to take on that extra emotional work of someone's reaction. But I also think, um, for me, there's... When someone dies and it's not natural causes or or cancer or something like that, then there's sometimes a curiosity. And um, I remember one of the times where I realized church is not a safe space for me to share my grief. I was at a women's retreat, and there was this really wonderful exercise about offering things to God that we couldn't carry and recognizing that God can carry them. And you had to write them down on a piece of paper. And afterwards, someone came up to me and said, you know, I, I noticed you seemed really upset and I just wanted to know, you know, if there's anything I can pray for.
0: And I felt like, Oh, that's like making me cringe. Yeah.
1: You're, you're, and people know when people are coming in earnest Mm -hmm. and when people are coming out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I felt like she just wanted to know why is the, why is that pastor so upset? What's going on? What is she trying to let go of? And I didn't want to. That was, this was the exercise. Me, Jesus, not you. You've invited yourself to the table. And so that, that I think um, makes me, makes me feel like this is not really a safe place. But then there's also this, I think as a Christian person, and I say as a public Christian, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's this, I think pressure to perform a resurrected faith, right? So we talk about oh, yeah. our hope in a God who not only resurrected was resurrected, but will resurrect us. And you know, people want to quickly hear that you have that sensibility. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, and you know you'll see she's looking down on you right now. You know you'll see her in heaven. I know that gives you joy. And well, yes, but it, I'm not feeling particularly joyful at this moment. So then I feel this pressure to perform this mm-hmm. resurrected faith for you because I don't want to appear unfaithful. And I think connected to that is I don't want to appear weak. Mm-hmm. I don't want to appear as if I I need that support. Um, and the... Of course, the ironic piece of that is that that's exactly what I need. But I've found sometimes that sharing that in those spaces doesn't meet that need. And that's why I want to unfilter talking Mm -hmm. about grief, because I think that it's one of the things that keeps people out of growing in their faith journey, being a part of a church community, because we scar people with how we respond to their grief.
0: You know, I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking that one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn as a pastor, but also just as like a human in the world is that you just can't fix everything. Mm -hmm. So my natural default is you have a problem, you are set, I'm gonna make you better. Mm -hmm. Like, let me fix you. And I actually noticed it, I, I did a funeral a few weeks ago and I showed up at the family's house to meet with them And I felt myself being in fixer mode. Like I felt myself like I'm going to come in. I'm going to be like really happy and, you know, really kind. I'm going to make them feel better. And then I I had to like give myself a pep talk and be like, you can't make them feel better right now. And they actually don't need to feel better. Mm -hmm. They need to feel sad. It's appropriate for them to be sad in this moment. So just take the things that are making you uncomfortable and put them aside and let this be a sad space. Yeah. And, I mean, I think for a lot of us it's really hard to mm-hmm. let that sad space exist.
1: And, you know, I experienced this, you know, peak <laughs> need to sanitize mm. death and grief at my sister's funeral. Um, one of the officiants, and I say one because... You've heard in a, in another episode of The Well oh, that I had yes. dueling faith traditions. So it took place at a Catholic church, but there was definitely a Baptist minister there too. And so um, one of the officiants gets up and starts their, this riff on how the good die young. Wow. My sister died when she was 23. And so he starts wow. talking about how young Martin Luther King was when he was assassinated, how young Jesus was when Jesus was, and it was like, not only is this theologically dangerous, but she was not this, she was an ordinary person. And so I was thinking, my my little brother was really young, I want to say maybe six and i remember him looking around and i thought imprinted on his mind right now is that if i'm good then i may die i mean we sometimes we don't realize the right theological mm-hmm. statements that we make and how we respond in mm-hmm. grief and i i mean i guess i should have known i was called to ministry then so then i <laughs> i of course <laughs> rebutted him in my remarks, you know, that goodness um, it is really not what we're discussing here. We're talking about someone's life who was taken, and we need to address as a community why that happened, mm-hmm. and as a family, how we're going to recover from that. And we're not going to do it by pretending that she was Martin Luther King, and that, like, this, right. is, not, this is not helpful. And so um, I, I really, really recognize that you can re-traumatize people and create more grief mm-hmm. in the way that you respond to grief. And, and, you know, it's so funny when you shared about this funeral, I was someone, um, I would say about a year and a half ago now, Uh, Her sister was killed in a hit-and-run, and And she knew that I had experienced this kind of grief. And what made this so difficult was that her mother was going through um, kind of the early stages of Alzheimer's, and they were trying to explain Uh, what had happened. And she wanted me to be there as they were trying to explain it. And I think we all have that fixer mode in us. Um but after she told her, I said, "I'm just going to sit here next to you. Yeah. And when you want to say something, then you can say something. But I'm just going to sit here next to you. And I wish someone would have done that for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I think that for people that are listening and are wondering, how can I show up in grief spaces? it really may be just to show up and to shut up, and that's right. really hard. So, you know, keep the God needed an angel, keep the, the good die young, all of that right. to yourself, and verbally vomit
0: when you get back in the car. Right, right. <laughs> but I love what you're saying about showing up, because I think that it, it's like we have these two poles that we oscillate between with grief, yeah. is we either want to say, you know, too much and Mm -hmm. that can be really difficult or we just sort of try to ignore it yeah and pretend it didn't happen and that you know that can be so painful I know that my my Nana when my mom died you know she told me as the years went on she was like people just wouldn't say your mom's name Mm. They they just didn't want to talk about her. Mm. Um, I had another family member that that lost a child, and people just stopped talking about him. Mm. And it was like, well, they existed, and and I I I'm not forgetting that they were here. Like, if yeah. you say their name, it's not going to make me sadder. Right. It actually is going to make me feel like, oh, you actually want to honor them or remember them or acknowledge mm-hmm. them. And so, I do think that that that's something that we need to remember too is that. Not talking about it doesn't make it not a thing. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and also that I think that's that's such good advice. And also connected to that is that the way that we will honor or remember may look different. Mm-hmm. I, I remember within my own family, you know, my some of my family members are... And part of this is my cultural tradition. So my father's from Cameroon, and one of the things I really appreciate about West African culture is that there is not this... um, There's not this kind of hiding of grief or death. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when we went to Cameroon, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago now, before we went to my... Uh, grandmother's memorial. We visited every single, you know, place of burial and stood there. I think they poured out palm wine and prayed, and it was just wow. this. Before it was this natural thing mm-hmm. to move through grief that way. And my grandmother had died years ago. This was not like <laughs> a current <laughs> thing, but m- death. Dates are celebrated and commemorated regularly, mm. and so that was so different than so what different. I experienced in my kind of my the African American side of my family, and so in that way it was like a party because at this point there some healing had taken place, and so I'm ready thinking that we're going to be all wearing black. No, like there were outfits ordered, like there this was <laughs> it was this, a whole this, thing, this was yeah. A thing. Um, and so I think that that's that's one of the things that I've learned to recognize that the way people move through their grief is different, and that's okay, because I'm I'm not the person that there's literally a a shirt with my grandma grandmother's face on it like, and some people wear that's not my way of dealing with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the things that I still work through with grief is shame attached to grief. So shame in maybe not um, feeling like I need to heal in a particular way and my healing um, happening in its own authentic way. Mm -hmm. And I don't always then express my grief the way others do. So my, you know, my brother every year, um, Post this picture at my sister's graveside, I don't go to, to the graveside. I've it's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. And my dad would get really upset with me. Like, you need to go there and you need to take your children there. Because I don't want again you to forget her. And it's like, well I in my family we celebrate her birthday and we just do that differently. Mm-hmm. And that's going to have to be okay. Right. And so I think that that's one of the things that's hard about grief, especially in faith spaces, because we want people to do it the way we do it, right. because that's what grief or healing or faith looks like. Mm-hmm. And perhaps there is space for us to do it in the way that most heals our own hearts and most connects us to God and to one another. And that may look different for mm-hmm. different people. Um, you know, as I, as I think about that, I know that we're not the only ones, Mindy, that, that struggle to talk about grief in an unfiltered way. And I wonder what strategies you would suggest to someone who wants to unburden themselves but maybe has had those cringe-worthy moments with mm-hmm. family or at church or wherever they are and, and what you would say as they're working to
0: to talk about their grief in a more unfiltered way. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to give you a practical and then a very spiritual. How about that? (laughs) How about that? So practically, I have just, because I've journeyed with some people who have gone through some really like sudden and um, unexpected losses, I really believe in the healing space of grief groups. Mm. I do. I think that there is something that is just so holy about sitting across the room from someone and you don't have to convince them or explain. They get it. Yeah. They they may have not have gone through the exact same thing as you, but they're holding their own grief. And mm-hmm. so when you show up with your grief, they're like, yeah, me too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't have to explain. You don't have to hide. You don't have to sugarcoat it. And I have just seen those spaces be so incredibly healing yeah. for people. So I feel like... You know, finding that group of people that you can just show up and you don't have to explain it to, that that is something that I would really recommend. But the spiritual thing that I'd recommend is right now I'm reading through the Psalms, and mm-hmm. the truth is I actually really don't love the Psalms. They're hard for me to... It's very strange. What I know. Gasp. Gasp. (laughs) Everyone's gasping (laughs) who's listening to this. Because I do love prayer, and I love to write prayers and Mm -hmm. and pray prayers. But (sighs) reading the Psalms, I I think my... It's hard for me to pay attention sometimes. (laughs) Um, And I've started trying... Like, I'm trying the spiritual practice of reading them. What I love about the Psalms is they get completely unfiltered. Mm. about grief like i want you to kill all these people god (laughs) okay that's a little much but i think they just give us words when we don't Mm. have words and they give us permission that like we don't have to be people that always show up as this like very polished put together look of ourselves yeah because when we're grieving like the ends are unraveling a little bit Mm -hmm. and that's actually okay yeah that's human yeah um I'm curious for you, what some of the ways that you've mm-hmm. you've leaned into, or that you might you know invite others into. I would say, um, I would
1: say two things. Uh, I agree with you. As I like that format of something practical and something spiritual, and my something practical, even I've experienced grief uh, groups, and they were really helpful for me. But then also grief counseling one on one, and I think that um, that's a gift that we don't give ourselves. Yeah. I didn't start grief counseling until I was in seminary, so that was three years later. And I think that um, I think that I felt like, oh, I have all these things to do. I need to I need to keep um, moving forward and that your grief will catch up with you if you don't make space for it. And so um, it really caught up with me in seminary. When you wrestle about who God is and you're, and you're carrying grief, you need someone to yes. help you carry that load. Yeah, And then I think the second thing would be to open your eyes to the unexpected people um, who can be healers. And I say that because I, I think that I expected to find that my grief would be attended to primarily in church, in the physical building mm-hmm. of the church. And is, even as I think about this podcast, my prayer is that this connects with millions of women around the world, some who are connected to churches and some who will become connected to faith by way of these conversations. Mm -hmm. And there were two women when I was in seminary who were not connected to my church at all, of different faith traditions, who were healers in my life. Um, I think it's Henry Nowen. If not, Google it and tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) But there's some (laughs) person who talks about wounded healers. Mm -hmm. And um,
0: I think it is, honey. Okay, thank you. All right,
1: and one of them um, gave me a book and that talked about that. And it was this, it was so healing, this idea that my grief could actually help me be a wounded healer for someone else. So just to not close your eyes to where those may came, where those unexpected places of healing may be One of them was a barista at the coffee shop that I lived on top of and always saw me coming in with this grief book and it just struck up a conversation. Um, But I I, I will say that I had to recognize that that healing could come from that space Mm -hmm. and open myself up to that. So that's what I would encourage uh, to those that are listening, and then I think the, the final thing—and I said I was only going to have two—but like all preachers, yep. I just we're lie. gonna we're gonna end. <laughs> no, we're in not. Ten minutes. Yes. <laughs> in fact, our uh, video uh, production extraordinary person David Jewell is looking at me like I told you to wrap it up. I know he just uh, he gave us the ten five minutes minute ago, like a, a while ago. It's, it's, it's off okay. the rails. But this is a thing I, I think is so important. It took me probably 10 years to recognize that I'm going to have this grief my entire life. Mm -hmm. And not because I'm always going to miss my sister, Mm -hmm. but that the way that that grief shows up is going to look different. So when I had my first child, it was like this wave of grief hit me again. I'm experiencing something that my sister never got to experience. When I got married, um, I really, I'm sure, made my husband contemplate divorce because on the honeymoon, I woke up in the middle of the night screaming. And he's like, oh, uh, like, <laughs> what? what is I? happening? <laughs> and I realized that I had this repressed grief because I'm. everyone kept saying to me at the wedding, you're the first daughter to get married. And I kept feeling like, no. Like it's actually not supposed to be this way and so um I it's okay what used to shock me is that the I thought I was over this or that you should be or over that it. I should be mm-hmm. over that's that's even better mm-hmm. but then now I expect ah oh, it's okay for me to experience this and that grief is going to continue to find its way, but so is the healing mm-hmm. on top of that so I think as I as I see David's evil eye and we should end, and our last question is what's filling your well? See, I'm ending, I'm ending. Um, David's really nice, by is. the way. He yes. <laughs> this, this is a total mischaracterization. It's us, we are, we are the evil ones. Um, I think what's filling my well is seeing the ways in which um, my sister and my grandfather's legacy lives on in my family. So uh, my children, there's one that for sure is mine. I mean, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. like, she looks like me. The other two, they did come out of my body, but they look nothing like me. Mm-hmm. And you were shaking your head, Mindy, you've seen them. I've you seen know. them, I know. And like I have me. a child like this too, so I get it, I do. And my, my daughter, my sister had light brown hair and green eyes. And none of us have light brown hair. My daughter, Olivia, does. And my daughter has her eyes. And she'll ask me sometimes, who do I look like? Because I'm looking at you, there's no reference point. And it is, it's weird to me sometimes to look at her and to see um, traits of my sister living on in her. And then we do who am I before my kids leave every day for school. And that is just a... I can literally feel like my grandfather is in the room. There's not the smell of butterscotch or Werther's originals, but that is in the room and that fills my well. Last word,
0: what fills your well? Oh, man, I'm having so (laughs) many feelings right now. Do you want some Werther's originals? I I might need some some. (laughs) Werther's. You know, well, it was cool the other week my grandparents stopped by and they're well, they in their 80s and they're trying to like clean all the things out of their house, Mm. which is nice of them. But they found all these photo albums Mm. and they brought them to our house and they they had a lot of pictures of my mom. Mm. And so it was fun to look through that with my kids and, you know, just have my Nana tell some stories and you know, they're never obviously going to know her, mm-hmm. but it's neat to be able to see those stories live on in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that, that that's something that's filling my well. And, and I feel like just knowing that we get to keep building new stories mm-hmm. as we go. So, you know, my family may never look like I'm someone who has a living mother on this earth. You know, I may not have an awesome, you know, family of origin story, But what we can do as a family, my husband and I, is build something that is better and healing. Mm -hmm. And I think that 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 does fill my well. Yeah. Well, let's pray for
1: those who may have the well half empty, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe because of grief or from the loss of a loved one or just grief because of the loss of things that are we're we're living through a season of we challenge are. and loss, so mm-hmm. we want to lift you up as we close our, our time together. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for this space where we can be unfiltered, where we can unburden ourselves to you. There are things that we have deeply loved and have lost, and there are no good words that fill in that space. But there is a good God, a God who sits with us in that grief, a God who promises to walk with us as we navigate surprises and people who surprise us in the midst of challenging journeys. God, you are our healer, and we don't know always what that healing will look like, but we're grateful that you continue to heal us on this journey of grief. Help us to be wounded healers for others and help us to create space and grace for ourselves. For we don't always move and do things according to plan. And sometimes grief, if anything, reminds us that our plans are not fixed. But God, you are still in the midst you're still with us and that is enough. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.